The Career Establishment's Talent Talk Asia podcast is brought to you in partnership with Vincere, the all-in-one CRM for ambitious recruitment businesses. Founded by Asia-based recruiters back in 2012, over a thousand recruitment companies choose Vincere to accelerate their growth. Whether your business is contract, temp, executive search or perm, if you're looking for a new breed of tech partner, talk to Vincere. Visit vincere.com io forward slash talent talk asia for an exclusive offer for all listeners of this podcast hi i'm andrea ross your host and in this series we feature some of the most successful talents from across the region to discuss the forces opportunities and challenges that are shaping the corporate landscape if you're keen to be a guest on the show then please reach out Hello, podcast listeners. My guest on Talent Talk Asia today is Paul Endicott, founder and CEO at Grit Search, based here in Singapore. Paul has been with the search business since 2002, working for the likes of Michael Page in the UK, specializing in the finance space, and more recently, spending 11 years with Ambition, where he was the regional managing director for Asia, which is where our paths crossed. In February 2020, he set up his own recruitment business called Grit Search, which is focused on the digital and high growth technology market across Asia. This is a two-part series with the second cast being aired in November. Hi, good morning, Paul. Hey, morning, Andrew. How are you? Yeah, good, thank you. Um, I'd probably say I'm an 8 out of 10 today. Um, You're an 8 out of 10? I don't know if you've seen... Yeah. Okay, well, I'm sure I'll hear more about what that 8 out of 10, why it's not 10 out of 10, maybe maybe a bit later on in the in the podcast. Um, and yeah, also, sure. it's Vizak Day today, so happy Vizak Day, happy Buddha Day, which oh, I didn't realise until this morning that it's actually a Lord public right. holiday. So you were probably thinking, your wife's probably thinking, why the hell has she organised a podcast when it's a family <laughs> day? But I didn't actually, this is what happens when you run your own business. You have no idea what days are... <laughs> What days of bank holidays no, exactly. or professional days or whatever they are. Exactly right. Exactly. Right. And I think let's, with the current um, situation, it's on that. Yeah, no, exactly. Okay, let's get straight into it. Tell me a little bit more about Grit Search. Um, so Grit Search is a recruitment and HR tech company. Um, so as you mentioned earlier, I mean, our focus is around digital technology and transformation talent. And the core objective for us is to work with values-driven employers and identify them the best talent but more importantly it's a talent first model so it's really about looking at how we can identify the best careers for talent within that space across Asia. Okay interesting and so what 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 was the reason for come up with the name Grit Search I mean obviously that's quite unusual. Yeah, I'll be honest, I completely stole it. Um, so credited to Did Angela, you? there's a book um, a lady called Angela Duckworth wrote called Grit. Um, and I read that book a while ago. And it was really interesting because it kind of resonated on the basis that if you look at success, it's not mm-hmm. just about talent um, and it just doesn't come easily. It's about resilient, um, resilience, tenacity, that ability to overcome obstacles for long-term goals. And so she said in summary that basically in the long-term, grit may need more than talent um, and I think you look at sports or if you look at business there's a lot of people you meet or see that are extremely talented and they never really achieve what you think they could achieve yeah. and a lot of that ties back to grit so that that's really where it came from um I love uh, it. completely stole it from Angela Douglas it's 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 a way better name than mine because when it comes to an email address it's dead easy right 
You haven't got to spend ages <laughs> reminding you sort of half an hour later, you're still writing the email address. Bad decision. Um, so what made you decide to go it alone? Because obviously you'd spent um, 11 years over at Ambition and then you're now setting up your own business. So what, what, what sort of, you know, drove that decision for you? Yeah, um, it's something I've always wanted to do. I think it's one of those things that, you know, the reality is you always can put reasons off not doing. Um, there's always a reason not to do it then or or not to do it. Um, I I think if I'm honest, it comes back to kind of my background, um, in that, you know, my, and this probably ties back to the name Grit actually as well. So my mum was, um, raised in an orphanage in Singapore. Um, and then she married my dad here and she went back to the UK and she ran her own businesses. So not initially, but she, she began running different businesses Mm -hmm. in various guises and, and, and different hats and seeing someone that came from you know no no real education uh, quite a bit of hardship do that uh, mm. kind of inspired me to think okay one day and she's probably the most successful female entrepreneur I know um, and she's done very well but it took a, a lot of blood sweat and tears yeah but it's always one of those things being brought up in that environment where you're seeing someone work for themselves yeah. um, that okay well I, I'd like to do that I'd like to be able to replicate that yeah. um, and that's so it's something I always wanted to do and, and now seemed the right time to do it because I think there's an opportunity to do that now as well. well. I mean, some would say you're a little bit mad, right? Setting up a business in a recession. So how would you <laughs> respond to that? Uh, I'd probably <laughs> say they were right if they thought if they thought I did it intentionally, that wasn't the plan. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think when I, when I set it up, uh, you know, it, obviously there's a, a bit of um, time in the works and it's, um, you, you didn't expect, I don't think anyone expected COVID-19 to happen. Um, I mean, it's interesting, yeah. right? I, I went into Michael Page in Hong Kong in 2002 and then SARS happened. Um, so every kind of phase of my recruitment has been through a bit of a crisis. So there was that there. Then I, when I went to Ambition in August 2008, we then had the GFC in, uh, in September. Yeah. So it seems to be following me around because now I've set up this and then COVID-19 has happened. So absolutely not in the plan. Um, <laughs> having said that, I think it's one of those things that I think can present an opportunity uh, because you know, you, you're agile, you're nimble. There's an opportunity to take market share within that. Um, clients can be open um, to having discussions where they might have been busy before and it was all actually oh, that's interesting. The same solutions. Yeah. So I, th- I think it does create an opportunity sometimes um, if you okay. execute in the right way. So you're fine. Yeah, so not you're planned fine. at all. Say again? You're not mad at all? Not planned. Not, oh. It wasn't. No, it was not planned at all. Oh, right. It wasn't I thought you said I'm not mad at all. It timing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, obviously, there's 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 a ton of recruitment firms out in Asia. So, what 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 you know? Why do you think you can add something different? Talk me through that. Uh, listen, I think if we're really honest with each other and we're really honest with ourselves, ninety percent more than of recruitment firms in Asia or globally are pretty much interchangeable. Um, yeah. They offer the same services. Um, they have the similar sourcing strategies. Um, the you know mm-hmm. the structure of the pricing is is very similar. You know, the differences come down to, you know, the people and sometimes the brand. If the brand's been around a little longer, but fundamentally, when you look at its core and you break it down, you look at, okay, what are the services? How do they access talent? Um, and what do you get at the end? The outcomes are very similar. Um, mm. I think with, and, and that, that was kind of the guiding principle behind Grit is, okay, how can we bring more value to our communities of, of clients and um, talent that, that we want to serve? And that goes kind of beyond that. So 
right now, I think our objective, and I'm pretty confident that we'll be able to tick the people and service box, which will mean we can compete on that level anyway. Broadly, though, we're also very focused on innovation and investing in technology and looking at, okay, how can we utilize technology and data to help clients and potentially talent make better decisions around the people they hire and the careers they have. And that's something we're looking to roll out. And that's probably where the differences come in and we see the opportunity lays in the, in the, in the sort of medium to long term. Okay, so I know we, we've obviously spoken before, but there's sort of there's specific areas though that you're like it's not just a recruitment firm, right? You're saying like the innovation side, and I know you've launched, you've you've put a few posts out where you're saying to people, which I thought was lovely. Um, anyone affected by COVID, candidate-wise, you're giving you you know you you talk me through you you put a yeah. post out in terms of sort so of we, we giving back together, a yeah, so we've been working on various technology. I mean, we've uh, we've got a portal now where um, anyone infected from digital um, and technology industries um, can be connected to employers at no fee. So our value principle and one of our values is really making a difference. And that doesn't just mean dollars or cents. It's about looking at, okay, how can we actually make a meaningful impact on, um, and on, on the community? Um, and this kind of made us start rationalizing around with the whole COVID-19 situation. A lot of really good people and people I know personally have been impacted by that. Um, How can we kind of help them get into roles? Now you can do that one-on-one and you can connect them to people you know, Mm. but the impact isn't massively high. Um, And we were fortunate where we had access to some technology where we could set up a portal and enable um, people to put their details on that and invite employers to come on that and, and, um, and, interact with them and then and then hire them through that so from a values perspective we made a conscious decision as a business that we don't want to monetize people that are in these vulnerable positions mm-hmm. um, we want to try and help them um, so that's that's kind of one of the focuses and way we're using tech to, to support that how's that gone has that has that gone down with both candidates and clients like what's been the reaction of that I mean it's it's been very positive. Um, I think, you know, there's, there's a number of different initiatives we're driving with the talent community on there in terms of helping them with their job search, which goes beyond just maybe connecting with, in, with employers. And I think that's been mm. well received because let's be perfectly frank, when people, you know, lose their role and they've been with a company for quite a while, it does have an emotional impact on them Don't as you. well. So Absolutely. A well, not just them, um, the whole family, right? Everyone gets affected by correct. it. It's a worrying time. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So uh, that's been really well received, I think, by, by the communities on that side. And from a client perspective and employer perspective, again, um, you know, we, we only opened it about a week or so ago. Um, oh, right. But okay. We've had quite a lot of employers coming onto the platform. We've yeah. also had quite a number um, reach out to us with regards to success to it. So we're in the process of connecting them now. But it's been, um, I, I'd say it's been very positive so far. I think it's which also is, nice for good. HR to know that then, isn't it? That there's kind of an extension of, you know, if they weren't, didn't have the budget to be talking to outplacement, there's at least some another forum, which as much as there's always been recruitment firms that will try and help people that are out of work, you know, the reality yeah. of that is always quite hard because there's a lack of roles that are out there. So it's quite interesting. I mean, just yeah. on, a, on a side note, I know that I'm working with Caroline Langston on this group called Recruiters Give Back. And that's another yeah. thing that yeah. for Singapore, Hong Kong, India and the UK so a few professionals around the world anyone that's been affected by COVID can get coaching advice so I've been on VCs with 
people, but I only look after the Singapore side, obviously, because it's, you can't do every country. We're just sort of country specific. But just giving people advice on their CV or their LinkedIn or just which recruiters to go to yeah. or, have, or just how they go about trying to get a new job. You know, providing templates on how you're tracking, who you're contacting and all these kind of things, yeah. which I know yeah. the recruiters ideally should be doing um but obviously they're quite strapped for just trying to find roles at the moment as well they don't always have that time to give that advice so i think i never really noticed those kind of services during all the other um gfcs or anything like that i never noticed any of that maybe it wasn't around or people are just becoming a little bit more caring i don't know i love it though (laughs) i agree I agree. I mean, I think it's, there's so many issues out there and, you know, certainly some recruiters have put their hands up to do that as well. And I think it's great to see so many people kind of coming together Yeah. because in Singapore alone, I think there's already been, what, 19,000, um, you know, people impacted. Yeah. Um, for a small country, free, that's massive. Some of the yeah. Announcement recently. yeah. So, yeah. Um, and this is just one country, right? So it's, it's, it's a tough time for many people out there. So if we can do something to help that. Yeah, I love that. Well, good luck with that. I mean, if anyone, any organisations are listening that have got people that they're having to let go that are on that, they're on the tech side for the tech at the moment, right? Or are you doing it for any Correct. area? Yeah, yeah. For the tech so, side? Well, so, anyone that's within tech and digital um, at the moment. So okay. that's where we focus. Right, got it. Okay. So um, what's been, I think I've already asked that question in terms of the client's response. So what's what surprised you the most about being your own boss? I know it's relatively new and I know you worked at Ambition, you were a boss there, but you weren't, you still had, um, you you still had a boss. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So how does it feel now? It's a a, a good question. Um, Listen, it's very, it's it's very different because we're, we're literally at startup stage, right? So you kind of have to do everything. So I think, um, you know, a boss is pretty, pretty grand. I mean, the reality, there's a team of us trying to, trying to get this business off the ground and focus on, on what we need to do day to day, which means that, um, you, you're kind of doing everything right. You've got to roll your sleeves up and you're doing your admin and everything else. Um, I, I suppose the, the good thing that I like about it is that, you know, I've got a clear vision of, of what I wanted to do with grip. Um, when we set it up and, um, and getting feedback from the team and looking at how we begin to curate that idea is is great um so that's been nice in terms of being able to drive initiatives that you want to do that you feel can have a greater impact and obviously in any business when you're working for other people whether it's a listed company whether it's privately owned business it can be difficult sometimes to drive those initiatives that you feel will have an impact so i think that's been um you know really a really positive thing um that that has kind of not so much surprised me um but that's what i'm enjoying about it i think the other thing though is is the buck stops with you right you can't make excuses <laughs> yeah. you can't say well yeah. you know i was told to do this or yeah, it was, we should have driven it yeah. and then blame someone else it's right? a company-wide um, so, initiative yeah exactly yeah but i think those are the things around being a boss maybe what surprised me just genuinely around um just being in a startup and starting something up from scratch is the amount of admin that's involved so i have a yeah. huge amount of respect the, the the team that helped me before around that and, and helped us before because it's it's it you know it's it's never ending so in what um, way what, what when you're saying admin what what does that look like in terms of what it, type it, of admin you're talking about from you know you know database um you, making sure your 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 crm is all coded properly it could be everything from formatting cvs um you know setting up meetings um uh pretty much listen everything under the sun yeah. right um yeah. 
So everything you think just kind of got done before because we had infrastructure there <laughs> yeah. to support that. Yeah. And then it was, and the frustration would be, oh, how long did that take? But the reality is it takes a while, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so I more think, of a generalist, I think aren't you? The, yeah. Correct. Yeah. Mm. Um, but it's interesting. I think the other thing, though, we did implement earlier on and, and well, pretty much straight away is we put an advisory board together because I think it's great being your own boss, but you also need to keep yourself honest. Um, so what do you mean by so that when you say advisory board? board? What do you mean by that? So we, we've got we've got investors in the company um, and a few of those have come on as investor advisors. They're people that can... Um, I, I suppose fill competency gaps that I may not have. I've not built up tech products before. Got it. Um, you know, maybe people that have had significant experience in terms of fundraising and, and investment, um, or people that have actually grown a startup and take it through various stages. So for for me, putting something together like that was was quite important because then I'm answerable to people on a monthly basis and need mm. to say to them, "Yep, yeah, well, this is my business." Mm you know, keep me honest and am I doing the right thing? But yeah. it's also people I can bounce ideas off. Yeah. So that's interesting where, so I think it's, there's a danger of going into a business and setting up and being your own boss and just being accountable to yourself. Yeah. Um, I think being accountable to others is, is quite important because that mm. keeps you honest in terms of direction you're going and are you driving the right, the right things at the right time. So how did you go about even trying to reach out to, well, well two things. Why, what made you decide to have those investors in the first place? Because obviously not everyone goes yeah. down that route. Um, and secondly, how did you go about sourcing those particular people? How did you, can you talk me through all those? Yeah. Um, I think firstly, I was quite lucky in that I had a network of um, people, sort of industry leaders I've known for a while, um, mm. that had known me for a while and, and we got to know each other on a, on a, on a personal basis and they were already kind of serial investors in other types of businesses right, um, right. with an interest in what was going on in the recruitment staffing space and we just had conversations um, over time um, so there were people when I when they knew I was going to go and set up something they were quite interested in terms of, like what does that look like and um, you know is it something they think is an investable idea? Yeah. So that was, that was quite fortunate. And they were, they were people that I knew were credible um, and actually Trusted, had I a suppose. good track record. Yeah. I think mm. Exactly. So mm. a lot of people talk about, okay, is it just money you want or is it smart money? Um, so, mm. and that was a key thing. It was getting smart money. So people that knew a could bring value to the business, but B um, were, and were, I suppose, um, or believed enough in the business and yourself that they would invest their own money in it because so it wasn't just about putting a board of advisors together that you had to pay to come onto the board it was about people who've actually put their money in the pocket invested in the company therefore have an equity stake in the company yeah. company have a vested interest in making yeah. it successful but yeah. also were interested in actually advising on a, on a structured basis um so that's where um where we went about so so the funding effectively came from um, sort of serial angel investors, um, as well as um, we just actually last week a VC just put uh, a funding into the company as well, which is which is encouraging. Wow. So we're pretty well capitalized. Now going, what is angel? Into... What is an angel investing? I, I'm not so familiar. <laughs> not so familiar with yeah. what that means because I know you haven't got wings. Yes. Not yet, anyway, Paul. Not that I can see <laughs> from there. <laughs> Uh, listen, I, I'd say I'm, a, I'm very, I'm, a, I'm much of a novice, and to be honest, I've probably held on to other people in terms of their investments. Um, post um, 
you know, my, my last role at Ambition, I invested in a couple of companies just through friends and it's small investors. So an angel investor is someone that invests in a startup probably prior to large investors getting involved when it's more or oh. less an idea or it's got some kind of minimal viable product. Um, okay. So um, that that's where, and, and the guys that or ladies that have invested in this company um, are more serial accomplished successful angel investors than I'd say I'd right. be whilst I have it in my title. Um, although recently, I mean, it's interesting that space because I was fortunate enough to be um, invited by Antler to be one of their revisors for HR tech globally. Um, so supporting a lot of their, yeah. Yeah, so supporting a lot of their companies. So it's good to get an understanding of how other founders are faring um, and looking at their sort of commercialization strategies and playing devil's advocate around that. So yeah, that's, that's how, our funding came around and the exposure we've got right. to that so, market. So with the antler thing, how much time do you think you're going to be spending on that then? What, you know, how are you going to be balancing your time probably, between the two? Yeah. So I'm mentoring five companies at the moment and having, so we have monthly calls about an hour and a half a month each. Um, okay. So, and Pretty they sure. range so from Australia, Norway, New York, uh, India and London. Um, but they're all within HR tech. So it's very interesting just to understand, okay, what's going on within this space? How are companies looking to bring more value to that? So it could open up a lot of collaboration opportunities down the line. I love well. that. I think that's a great, I think that's, I think, yeah, you're getting a lot out of that personally, but you're also able to contribute to, within that sector as well. Right. Another area I want to go on to is, um, is kind of initiatives or I know that in Ambition Days, I know you're always quite passionate about certain causes that are quite close to your heart. And I know at the moment you're, you're back in one um with with grit search so can you talk me through can you talk me through that initiative that you're um that, that you're yeah. passionate about right now yeah one one area and i think particularly in asia that's kind of been underserved uh, when it comes to a cause that's really important is is mental health um mm. and this has got a lot of traction and there's been a lot of discussion around this and it's been amplified i think through covid19 people being more isolated how do you protect yeah. people, people's mental health um but at the beginning of this year um we we signed a, we didn't sign but we we agreed a partnership with a company called Inside Out in the UK. Um, Inside, so Inside Out, okay. Out are a company whose core mission they've been around about three years. And Rob Stevenson uh, is a fantastic guy. He's a CEO and founder. And we crossed paths at Michael Page years ago. Mm. Um, he's been running it a couple of years right now, and he's got his own personal story because he's bipolar, um, and right. he's had to really think about you know his his own career and how that's impacted him. So he's gone on a mission with launching Inside Out to really destigmatize uh, mental health in the workplace. So how to make workplaces happier, healthier and more productive. Um, and we felt that this was something that would align really again with one of the causes we wanted. And for various personal reasons, I, I think this is important. But equally, mm. at the same time, it was something that a lot of corporates are talking about and businesses are talking about, particularly in um, you know, the Western markets, and I think more and more now in Asia. So we kind of wanted to get behind that and, and bring that um, to the fore as a conversation. So I, well, the reason I asked uh, when you said, how are you? So Rob's also launched another initiative mm -hmm. called Form, which basically each day he posts his form out of 10. So what is Form? Because it's something we all say, right? How are you today? How are you feeling? You know, but actually, do people care? And do they really want to know? Yeah. Um, or is it, or is it just like a, a greeting? That we say? Yeah. Yeah, correct. Um, right. So you were eight so out of ten. Of, so you were eight out so of ten. Eight. So what does eight out yeah, of ten yeah, yeah. mean? <laughs> uh, I'm going to steal from Rob again. I tend to steal from a lot of people. Like It seems Angela Duckworth now, Rob Simpson. But I think um, it were, you know, it's, it's 
I slept well. I feel pretty energized. We had a ball call last night, you know, it went well. Yeah. Um, I, so I'm feeling, you know, pretty good today. I mean, that's a pretty good score. Um, yeah. I think yeah. there's a lot of stuff that I need to do. So that probably takes me down a 10 out of 10. I'd be really happy and successful. And we've made the impact we want. And I'll be sat on a beach somewhere. Yeah. I can't travel anywhere. <laughs> can't really leave the house. So um, an yeah. air tan is pretty much as good as, as good as it gets right now. <laughs> See um, in the garden. That's about it, so I think, today. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. So the, so the focus, yeah, so focus for us at Grit is really looking at, okay, how do we drive that? So we'll be driving a lot more content um, and discussion with our clients and through our own social media channels around mental health. What does that mean? How can employers, um, you know, um, help with that? And how, what strategies can people suffering from that actually, mm. um, you know, employ to get them through this, through this difficult period? What are um, some of I mean, Sorry, mm. sorry, Paul, carry on. No, no, no. I was just going to say, I mean, Southeast Asia alone, there's 86 million people that suffer from depression, right? So it's close to a third of people, wow. you know, um, so it's significant. So it's a, it's a massive issue out there. And there's a lot of people that go into work every day and can't speak about their, their problems. I mean, strategies, yeah. I think you're going to ask, Rob would say, yeah. exercise, rest, sleep, mm. you know, Especially really for being bipolar, the Sleep is a big, is a really, really big thing. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So, no you know, getting, getting adequate rest. Yeah. Um, you know, actually being grateful and taking time to think about, and this is kind of that, you know, cut, cut past full mentality, but actually taking that time to think about, okay, what actually are you grateful for? Yeah. You might have all these other issues going on, right? But what actually are you grateful for? What mm. do you have to be thankful for? And kind of focusing on those More things. that gratitude so, and contentment. Um, yeah. Which I think probably in Denmark, exactly. it's probably fine because I think Denmark is the most contented country <laughs> in the world. It was voted a few years ago, but yeah. I think there's a lot to be learned from that really, isn't there? On, 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 being able to assess your day and say, what am I grateful for? Or what went well? What didn't go so well? And how am I reflecting Correct. on that? I think there's a yeah, exactly. three blessings, I think they call it, where you you just every day, if you get in that habit of just reflecting back and that just gets you to be a little bit more grateful. Because I think sometimes you can all pos- focus on the negative, but actually your kids are healthy. Um, yeah. Everyone everyone is generally fine. You know, there might be sort of things that are negative that's going on, but it doesn't have to be the, the, the major thing. It's just getting people to that yeah. sort of that balance. From a, just you mentioned Rob Stevenson. I mean, if listeners are out there and want to, and, and are mm-hmm. in an organization or want to be able to support that a bit, a bit more, I mean, I know I'll put the link on my company website. I'll put it on the LinkedIn launch post as well. Is Rob, St- Rob still with Michael Page or is he running this on his own now? Like, no, where no. Are- so he, he left quite a number of years ago. Um, and then I think he set up a um, executive search firm um and then he left that and set up uh um set up inside out so he's he's full-time and inside oh, out he's for, full-time so, doing that I mean, okay and he's stevenson with a v yeah, or yeah, a p yeah. stevenson with a p again, sorry a, stevenson with a v or a p with a p with a p okay, with a p. Yeah. okay so maybe yeah, for PH. people out there that we can put that on the um launch the, the details of that if people want to support that or get some ideas on how they can um, put those strategies into organizations because I think it's a good thing to talk about but it's it's also what are those strategies for organizations to be to be um, putting that into action exactly yeah agree okay. yeah yeah okay, agree fully. Um, anything else that you wanted to mention on that anything else on the inside outside that you think is worth that listeners knowing about 
No, I don't think so. I mean, listen, if you get a chance, have a look at um, their page there under the company's Inside Out Leaderboard. Um, they do have what they're calling the G24 Summit, um, which I'll give a quick plug for, for Rob um, for, which is a 24-hour first mental health summit. Um, so that starts off in Sydney and goes all the way and then into London, I think goes Dubai, London, and then finishes in San so what Francisco. Is it? What do you mean? Um, so what? they've got... Yeah, what is involved? So, so it's a G24 Summit. And they've basically, it's like a webinar where they're discussing all issues around mental health, okay. um, starting off in Sydney and then following the time zones through um, to, the, to the West Coast. Fantastic. Um, so Love a lot of um, high profile sort of people that support mental health that will be on the panel talking about strategies individually, strategies right. as companies in terms of what they've done. Um, so that'd be a great introduction to, to what they're doing and what yeah, they're trying good to plug. do. I like that. Let's hope it's not just banking that get behind it. You always find financial services are always the ones that get behind yeah, these yeah. And the other, than the other major corporates. So it'd be good for everyone to get involved in that. Okay, let's, um, let, let, I'm keen to know a little bit more on the growth of the business. So from a hiring perspective, so, um, you know, what, what are you, what are you, what are your hiring plans? You know, is it recruitment consultants? Is it research? Is it senior people? Is it more junior? Like what's the, what's going to be the model and how sort of different would that be than what you were used to from ambition? Yeah. Days? Okay. I think, listen, I, I, I'll be honest, a lot of the companies are, are better served to hire people that are coming into recruitment. Um, and I don't think we have the infrastructure to, to kind of yeah. support that. Um, yeah. So for those going into a career, we, we wouldn't be the right business for them right yeah. now. Um, so we we have hired an initial teams. Some will be starting in the, in the coming weeks, which is, which is great. But there's awesome. two elements for us. So um, there's, there's recruitment in terms of your traditional recruitment piece. Um, mm -hmm. But then there's also the tech piece. So there's a tech solution. So we've been using outsource sort of third-party engineers as well, but we will be hiring an in-house tech team as well. So product managers, um, engineers down the line too. Um, so the, for the hiring strategy, we, you know, we, we, we're in a good position where we're funded. I think we also want to be shrewd in terms of what the market looks like yeah. and how we can bring people in that have the biggest impact, but most importantly, align with our values as well. Um, so I think from a numbers perspective, Maybe we'd be eight people by the end of this year, I would think. But that hey, would be you, mixed across you commit into that, your recruitment and tech. You've you got to uh, commit to that because we're, we're uh, doing two parts. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll be going back in November and listening to what you committed yeah. to. <laughs> Let, go, tell, yeah, talk me through. You committed to, was it eight people, did you say? Did I hear yeah, that right? I think, I think we'll be, I think, yeah, we'll be eight people by the end of this year. And in terms of, you mentioned values. So if there's a listener out there that's um, from a recruitment background or um, in terms of sort of the values, talk me through what those look, those look like for you. What's important to you in terms of values? Yeah. Talent Talk Asia is brought to you in partnership with Vincere, the all-in-one CRM for ambitious recruitment businesses. Visit vincere.io forward slash Asia for an exclusive offer for all listeners of this podcast. Um, I mean, our values as a business, and, and this is something we're trying to bring or build around the personality of the business and looking at actually how do we, we don't just want them to be words on, on the website. So, <laughs> um, you know, we've got, we've got six core values, which are being honest, being passionate, um, doing what you say you're actually going to do, making a difference, um, being humble, 
um, and and having grit, obviously, right, and and having that sort yeah. of tenacity and drive. Yeah. So I think you know, on the face of it, yes, that that's what we look for. We, we're a business that we want to build a business, and we want to be focused on relationships. This isn't a transactional model for us. It's not about making a quick buck out of placing you in this company and then moving on. Yeah. Um, it's about building long-term relationships with you know clients and talent within the market, and um, we look for people who right now, you know, have credibility, have knowledge within a space or experienced, um, but really are focused on that relationship piece and see the value of building a long-term brand and business around that, um, you know, high quality versus just transactional um, churn. And, and that's what we're looking to build. So people that actually can take a long-term view um, and want to build a personal brand align with that over time. Um, and I think the other thing is, you know, people that, really want to challenge the status quo you know we, we have ideas i've got ideas that i think are going to bring value to the business but um people that want to contribute to that and have ideas and actually want to challenge okay could we be doing this better is a way we could be yeah. better servicing the, yeah. the the business and, and people that challenge not okay what challenge why does it work this way why actually does it work this way and what's a better way we could be doing things yeah so, so those are the kind of people mindset. i think that we look yeah. for yeah um so how are you so convinced really how are you convincing people to come across when the market's pretty rubbish where they're you know yeah. they're getting paid monthly they've got that security as much as they yeah. may want yeah. to move that it's a massive risk right so so how yeah, are no, you absolutely. how are you convince how are you convincing them that that it is a good idea i mean yeah uh okay so if if it Okay, so and I'll be perfectly honest, right? If someone just wants to take a paycheck and, and stick with that, then they're better off staying where they are. We're looking to do something different, and there's always an element of risk to that. So it takes a, a mindset, and also, you know, a lot of the hard work and the hard graph goes into building a database, building that network, and everything else. Now, the good yeah. thing within recruitment is often people have that, and that doesn't go away. You know, when you've been in recruitment a while, people are engaging with you because of you, not necessarily just because of the brand. Mm -hmm. um, so when you're in recruitment, that, that's an op that creates a lot of entrepreneurial opportunity for people if they choose to do that down the line. Um, I think in terms of getting people over, it's just being honest with them. So we won't put offers to people unless we know, okay, if we've got zero revenue for the next X amount of time, we yeah. can still ensure that we're paying your salary. Yeah. yeah? It's not, you know, I'm not, I'm not comfortable putting offers to people if I'm in a position where actually, you know what, you need to come and need to make money in three months. Otherwise I need to let you go because we're really tight on cash. Yeah. Um, so it's being selective with the people we're hiring and also being confident and responsible as an employer to bring people in that you can actually give them a decent runway and support and growth opportunity to fulfill what, you know, what they see and you see as their potential to be. Yeah. Um, so I think that's, that's probably the, the key thing and it's not for everyone. I mean, let's be perfectly honest. No. Some people, no, some are risk averse. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. Which and and that's probably and that's not right for us. And yeah, and that's companies okay. Go through yeah. Several, yeah, some companies go through different iterations, right? If I if I look back, even when I started Ambition, there were what's you know five six of us in in Singapore, I think at the time at the end of two thousand eight. You know, attracting people to a business that was still relatively new, even though it had foundations in other countries, was very tough. Yeah. Um, but then you scroll forwards, then you begin to attract different people um, as, the, as the business begins to grow. Yeah. So those early, the early stage people tend to be the people that, you know, are comfortable coming in, rolling their sleeves up. And it's very much an us versus them mentality and how you grow this. But sometimes that can be 
the best time within a business. Um, yeah. There's certainly the yeah. times I kind of remember. So, obviously, I mean, you obviously were leading that business for a number of years. And for those people that don't know you so well, how would you describe the way you lead? And will that be quite different in how you lead this business? I know that's not on my bit of um, paper, so you're, you're really put on the spot now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I'll probably ask people, you know, people know people, it's a pretty small industry, so people know people ambition to get an idea of, okay, what, what I was like in terms of lead, yeah. leading the business. Um, yeah. I think what, one thing um, is really engaging with your people, um, and I think this is kind of relevant right now for, for people as well. Leadership isn't... and I don't believe it's just looking at metrics and numbers and saying, okay, you need to do this. I think you've got to get mm -hmm. under the skin and understand what actually motivates people and need to understand and care for people on a more personal level to ensure that, you know, you, they, they buy into you, they buy into the mission, they, they're clear on the vision in, in terms of what you go, you know, where you're looking to go. And that's something I've always been quite focused on is looking at how do we build a, a vision. So we've got a roadmap of what the business is looking to achieve, but B also looking at, okay, well, what's your part within that? And what does that mean for you as well? Um, but also actually having an interest in people. I think that's, that's an important thing. You know, people, you have a responsibility to be a good leader and encouraging and an engaging leader as much as um, people have a responsibility to do their job for you. Mm -hmm. You don't just get that from paying someone a salary. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, I, I suppose that's probably the, the kind of culture that I'd look to create where people feel involved. They feel that they're part of a journey. Um, they're part of a company. It's as much, you know, theirs as it is mine. Um, and we'll only create this if we're successful together. But that comes with hard work and it comes with, yeah. you know, blood, sweat and tears. And it, it does mean that you've, you've, you know, there's expectations and there's objectives and you have a responsibility to perform in those areas you said you are going to perform as much as I have to perform in the areas in which I, I've said I will as well. Yeah. Do you think that you'll have to have more tough conversations? Because it's not as though, you're, you know, you've not got other bosses. It's not kind of an endless surplus of money, right? It's a it's a new setup. So mm. do you think in terms from a style perspective that there are going to be areas that you're having to lean into a little bit more than perhaps you would have done before? I think there needs to be clarity on exactly, okay, what you're trying to achieve and making sure people are on point um, on what their objective is. I think yep. there's a lot of... Um, you know, in a market like this, there's a real danger that you can flip aside everywhere and think, actually, I'm going to try and make some money here. I'm going to try and make some money there. Yeah, you know, yeah. I'm going to do this. And you're not going to keep really aligned to actually, okay, what is your core proposition? What, what do you want? It? We, we will come out of this. This is going to end at some point, right? Yeah. And the market is going to come back. And what do you want the business to stand for at that point? And what do you personally want to stand for at that point? So I think a lot of it is keeping people really engaged and focused around those core things that they... Yeah want to be and the, and the, and the bit either the business is working towards because they have to be aligned with that and they personally are working towards so I think that's where it is I think equally there has to be tough conversations and my thing is that you know it comes down to um, you know there's an expectation <clears throat> I think within recruitment and we're a startup so it's gonna be slightly different in terms of what our revenue expectations might be versus a business that's got you know, X amount of experience or X amount of infrastructure around them um, but fundamentally there's still gonna be objectives that if you hire a salesperson they do need to meet. And if they're not meeting them, why aren't they meeting them? And yeah. then it's understanding, okay, is it is it because they're not focused? Is it because they've not got enough support? That's the first road you go down to, and you try and give them the guidance around that. And if they can't achieve it, then still, is it an attitude? Are they putting enough into that as well? 
And if it's yeah. an attitude thing, <clears throat> then that's where the people aren't right. Yeah. And that's where tough decisions do have to be made. Yeah. Um, so, so I don't think that will necessarily change. It's just in terms of the expectations and, and how soon you expect yeah. them, um, those yeah. expectations to be changed might be mad. But the other thing is we're, we're not hiring people that are new to recruitment, right? Yeah, so that's going to so make a bit of a difference, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, and I suppose even at that interview stage, just digging a little bit deeper in regards to how much business have you actually bought in yourself as opposed to it's been flicked by someone else from another team member. Right, how much have you actually Correct. originated yourself? You know, you're not always going to have the support of 20 people sitting next to you um, or a global business yep. where you're getting leads that way. Um, are you comfortable sharing your commission model or is that kind of not yep. out there in the market? You yeah, I that? mean, okay. So, no, no, so it's, it's, very, it's very straightforward. Um, again, and this <laughs> is a reflection ones. on, <laughs> I think the reality is we're fortunate where we have a very low burn. We have low operating, you know, our, our costs aren't high. Um, so we can kind of afford to do this. And it's also to attract people that have experience. So we're offering, mm. so our commission model is 60% um, on whatever um, revenue wow. um, someone makes uh, within a year. Um, and then we're also implementing, as this is the thing we were just discussing last night, we're implementing an um, employee share option scheme so that anyone coming in will be a, a shareholder within the company as well. So we want to make sure that people coming into the business feel that they are part of it um, and that they, they have... An ownership, yeah, mm. a stake within within the company. That's, that, a, that's, that's a big deal. Are there any drawbacks yeah, so. on that sixty percent? Is there anything else within that sixty percent? I know it sounds sounds great, but is there anything? Is it kicking after a few months, or is it immediate, or how does that work? No, it kicks in. It kicks in straight away. Um, but the expectation is that you know people will come in, then the people will look to hire, will have a network, they'll have experience. Um, yeah. You know, so I think. That's that's the that's the factor. That's why we're offering sixty percent because we can offer a lot of support and we've got the right tools around it. Whether it's LinkedIn Recruiter, you know the CRMs yeah. or ATS we're using, um, so we've got all the, the structure behind it. But fundamentally, that person we've got to recognise that person's coming in and bringing value in terms of the network they have as well. Um, yeah. I think you know equally at the same time, there's an expectation. I, I would expect someone to be coming in and at least doubling um, their their salary um, after the first three months with the business. Um, if they've got that network, that shouldn't be an issue. Um, and if they're not able to do that, then obviously then we need to and there's question, no COVID. Okay, is, is this person right for that? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and there's no recession there. Although, listen, I think, I think the reality is that there's still opportunities out there, though, even, even in the current climate. Are you seeing, um, certain, industries, are you seeing certain industries that, are, that haven't been affected so much? Are there certain industries that think, are other than I Zoom think, and Skype? Yeah, I think all... To be honest, I think all industries have been affected in that what we are in is a confidence business, right? And I think generally mm. confidence is low. So yeah. every business, even if they're going gangbusters or in a position where they're still not going to go nuts in terms of their hiring, yeah. Yeah. they're still going to be quite concentrated in terms of, okay, what am I going to hire right now? Because yeah. a lot of companies I'm speaking to, they don't feel we've seen the full impact of it yet. No, um, no. I think it's it will be right now, a good few months, yeah. And I, I mean, I remember yeah. with the, sorry, this sounds like, you know, I remember in my day, um, with sort of GFC and SARS, it was interesting. I think at Rob Waters, we did an analysis of sort of every industry during that period that we saw revenues go up. And it was just so interesting to, and it is yeah. advisable to be looking at which ones, you know, I mean, obviously at that time it was slightly different in the respect that you could still meet people. It wasn't that you were yeah. isolated. So things like the Burger Kings and McDonald's and fast food just skyrocketed because everyone wanted comfort food. 
everyone wanted rubbish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah. obviously, right now, as we all know from looking at Facebook posts, everyone's drinking more. I mean, we are. I mean, God, I mean, I, you know, it, you are drinking more <laughs> at home. It's easy. It's more accessible. It's great. Um, yeah. So it's just. I mean, I'm not. You know, it's not just those kind of industries, but it is interesting to to be really taking a step back and thinking, okay, well, which ones aren't going to be so affected? And is that an area we should be focusing on? Then just plowing yeah. away at the same industries, right? Yeah. It was an interesting one to look at. Okay, that, that those commission that commission chart, I think that is actually the highest I've heard of. Because I know when we did the podcast with Justine and Adam, there were some at sort of 30, 35, but 60, isn't that the highest? I think that's actually the well, highest. Actually, no, I think there's a couple of agency ones that I've heard that pay 70, 30, um, which right. is interesting in terms of the people that are coming in. But then they're looking at more independence. Um I mean, fundamentally, I think you've got to weigh up what as a business are you bringing versus the people you're looking to attract, okay? Mm. So, um, and, you know, fundamentally, you may end up adjusting a commission, uh, a commission scheme down the line as you've built scale and so on. But your founder members and the founder people that are building your business um, and building the, you know, the overall business should have an opportunity to reap the greater rewards of actually what they're bringing into the business in the first instance, in my mm. view. Um, so that's, that's the, the thought process behind it is, is attracting really good people, um, yeah. that have a track record, that have credibility, that have experience, mm, that want to be on a journey, but also want to own, you know, own a company. Now, hypothetically, let's scroll forward two years. If we're then hiring people with less experience where we're putting more into them and we're supporting them a lot more in terms yeah, of you might, know, training, development, building network, utilizing your brand, yeah. then you're probably going to have to adjust the scheme to, to, yeah, to cater for that. Okay, that's is that part three of the podcast in two years' time? <laughs> we'll see <laughs> well, where it's at. So. Yeah, fingers <laughs> um, crossed, eh, right? <laughs> now, obviously, entrepreneurship can be a really tough road. So, in those kind of difficult moments, I mean, I know it's quite early days for you at the moment, but how are you kind of making sure that you're making progress, keeping going, and just keeping focus? What I know you've got the investors, but yeah, um, you know, how are you being able to kind of self manage? I suppose is probably the best way of looking at it. Yeah. Listen, I think it's one of those things where it's um, it's taking that step back sometimes and thinking about, okay, you know, what is a long, longer term objective? Like it come back to this and what we're trying to achieve mm. now and, and, and really setting yourself kind of small milestones, you know, okay, we're, we're kind of on track yeah. and that has to be something that is in your control. Okay. And this is yeah. where I sympathize with a lot of people in recruitment right now. And I'm in a situation where I'm actually working jobs um, with clients and getting to a stage where suddenly actually the role goes on hold. Yeah. yeah, I haven't experienced yeah. that for a while. Right? I'm, I'm literally hands on, on doing this stuff. Yeah. And it's super frustrating. Things, yeah. And I'm thinking, well, actually, there's nothing I could have done. And actually, you know what, if you've got some recruiters out there with one, two, three years experience, it can be pretty devastating, particularly yeah. if they know, okay, I need to achieve this amount by this, this amount of time. Yeah, there's a lot of so pressure. I think we're doing an, yeah, I think the entrepreneur piece is very similar at the moment, just in terms of actually, I, I, I still think recruitment often can feel a bit like running your own business. You've got the mm. expectation mm. of building a desk and making that desk successful. Mm. So my frustrations are probably similar um, to those that, that they're feeling in the sense that, um, you know, not everything goes well and some of it is out of control. And then it's kind of questioning and working out, okay, well, is that because I did something wrong and is there something I can learn from that? Because that's really important to reflect on that as opposed yeah. to just blame the whole situation around it yeah. and yeah. learn from it so you can counter that in future. Yeah. Um, or, uh, and then also try and get by it because the small wins might be you getting a meeting, might be having getting a, a job from someone. But you've, all you've got to remember right now is 
Um, and I'm kind of going off the point, but I think... No, you're not. It was back. actually part of my next question. So you're, it's exactly what I was keen to get onto anyway, just in terms of how, how you're making, how to look at those adjustments now as a recruiter. This could be here for another yeah. three or four months. So what are, what are you having to adjust in your role as a, as a recruiter, basically? Okay, you're running your own yeah. business, but you're recruiting. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what we're looking, you know, what we're looking to do is build and embed, and this is where it's probably no different from everyone, you know, out there right now within recruitment, is you're looking to embed relationships where you're, you're trusted and you're mm. a brand to be trusted mm-hmm. or a personality to be trusted with that hiring moving forwards. And let's be perfectly frank, you might make 10 calls and you might get no jobs. You might make yeah. 10 calls and you might get one job. Yeah. But have you taken that conversation forward with that person? Mm. Now, we're in a situation right now where it's unprecedented. Um, We've seen what's happening within recruitment. It's extremely tough. People Mm. are under a lot of pressure. There's a lot of stress, you know, on on companies and organizations and on the people, you know, that are in the front line doing the calls and trying to generate the revenue to keep that company sustainable. Yeah. Um, I think the, you know, so from a recruitment standpoint, it's actually looking at how are you relevant in the current climate? You know, if we if we put it into the context, clients have probably never been in the situation they have in the last um, couple of months where they've been receiving so many calls, so many emails from recruiters. And if everyone's saying the same, <laughs> so true, so true, right? Yeah, my so, husband's getting loads know, of calls. It's great, and then never respond before. <laughs> right. They all of a sudden pick up the phone now. <laughs> it's like, yeah, that's yeah, what yeah, happens when yeah. you get a recession. You get phone calls from recruiters again. Yeah, exactly. And and but but think about it, right? I mean. A lot of recruiters are doing the same thing because they've been trained the same yeah. way. So yeah. a lot of it is you're calling and you're saying, have you got a job? Okay, but yeah. what, what actually value are you beyond that? If mm. they haven't got a job, what is a discussion, right? Yeah. If you're a candidate, oh, I don't have a job for you, but how are you getting on? Um, where are you interviewing right now? You know, this kind of stuff and try and generate later. Fundamentally, though, is there trust there? Have you built trust with that yeah. person? I think yeah. the thing you've got to think about is, okay, what is the long-term view and how are you relevant? And how are you saying something or having a discussion point that is actually going to be, A, useful, to that person you're yeah. speaking to and yeah. worth their time yeah and different from hopefully what you know nine out of ten people are saying yeah um and b is going to create trust down the line yeah. you've got to remember that there's a huge amount of talent on the market it's easier for clients now to probably fill their own roles than it was three months ago Absolutely. and if you're in an internal talent acquisition role you want to make sure you're valued by your company. So you want to be hard, you want to be less actually utilizing agencies and hiring yourself. So actually mm-hmm. you're not um, concerned you might lose your role. So you've got to think about, okay, what information you have. You, you will pick up roles and a client, and this is where relationships now, begin, I think, pay dividends because some clients will think, well, actually I am hiring and I trust this person. But yeah. rather than go out to five agencies, I'm going to send it to one. Yeah. How is that one person going to be you? Yeah. So I always used to say to people, you know, how many clients will call you first? And if you don't have that many clients that know you personally, you know, whether it's line managers or HR that will call you first, then you've probably got a bit of concern. You've got a lot of work you need to do right now. Yeah. In terms and they, of might not get the, they might not get the, yeah, they may not get the results now. I think for some people out there that haven't built that trust or they haven't necessarily got to that point in their career where they've got people that will call clients that will call them straight away. You can start now. You can start Correct. to just have the phone calls and then it may be that three or four months down the line, then you start getting the calls. You know, you start getting clients reaching out and trusting you. It's interesting. I yeah. um, obviously with my business face-to-face training out the window completely um, and I've been de- um, developing quite a lot of online courses and I've got a couple of recruitment firms that are running an online course that I've put together on trust because, you know, you and I have done trust courses quite yeah. a few times at Ambition and stuff. 
and it is interesting. It's just being able to uh, to teach recruiters to show that empathy and accelerate that trust over the phone or on a VC, and you yeah. have got to accelerate it. You know, and and yeah. it isn't. And the one thing that I, that I put the training is just don't ask for a job. <laughs> the last thing you yeah, want to, yeah. they 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 know your they know the role you do is picking up jobs, and that's you don't need to be asking for it. It's obvious, yeah. Um, but it's just you know having to show that empathetic side and as you said add value yeah. what does that look like yeah. you don't know until you pick up the phone and ask them what is it that you guys are finding huge challenges right now it may be something that's completely outside of recruitment yeah it could be that they've yeah. got an issue on the mental health side okay can we put you in contact with this inside out you know it's it's being able to look outside of sometimes your area yeah. of expertise and seeing how you can help yeah um and i think that sometimes gets people out of their comfort zone because they think it's just about chasing jobs well you're not going to get the job straight away. Yeah. There's a lack of them, but yeah. you can start building, building, um, building those relationships that when hopefully the next few months, you'll start getting the phone calls. Yeah. Yeah. And I think yeah, I, I completely agree with everything you say. And I think um, one of the things to bear in mind is that, you know, the companies, so you look at any other crisis before the companies that have done really well and the individuals that have done really well um, during the previous crisis is those that have kept their shape. You know, they've looked to the long term. And they've looked yeah. at what they're developing. They've had, yeah. they've kept the infrastructure, you know, and they've managed to build their brand through that period that's enabled them to go through, you know, exponential growth as soon yeah. as the market comes back, yeah. faster than their competition, yeah. because they've yeah. got that bedrock to, that they've built during that period. So it's Absolutely. really important right now yeah. that people are doing that. I mean, I think the, the one massive takeaway, I think that people like Robert Waters, Michael Page do really, really well is they start is that they they've always got that consistency of candidate calls. I mean, client calls, yes, of course, but the candidate call side. Every time you've got a, you know, you're making sure that you know you're going through candidates and you've got them on call cycles. That every month, one, you know, night and one evening, um, once a month, you're calling candidates that are your top candidates that you may not have spoken to in thirty days, sixty days, and it's continuous. How are you doing? Has anything changed your end? Um, have you moved into the different role? You may not have roles for that person that you met two weeks ago. You may not, yeah. yeah. But but at least yeah. you're keep, so. When the times get tough, that candidate isn't getting a phone call from a from a recruiter they haven't heard from for six months. And that's yeah. the challenge yeah. is that people do get frustrated. Candidates do get quite frustrated, and clients get quite frustrated during tough times. Is they only hear from recruiters then, and that yeah. kind of pisses me off. Quite frankly, is that something yeah, I know yeah. we've worked quite a lot with ambition on, which has been brilliant. Is just that whole we've got to have consistency with talent clients and mm. candidates. We've got to make sure that we're consistently calling them and it's just part of our process so that when the hard times start, when the hard times are here, they're not just getting phone calls and they've never heard of them before. Oh, you, Oh, right. Well, you've got time to talk to me now. Have you, it's just, you're not going to build that trust. Yeah, you've yeah, got to be long-term having that relationship. So I think the call cycle things are what Paige and um, Rob Walters do really, really well. So you've been in the recruiting field for over 18 years. You've obviously, as you mentioned before, you've gone through quite a lot of the GFCs. The, were you around in SARS? You would have been, right? Or, yeah, so that's when I went into recruitment. Yeah, so in Hong Kong, in right. SARS, pre-SARS, yeah. Right. So what, what do you think you can learn? What, what do you think we can all learn from previous recessions or events that could help us now that we perhaps haven't already mentioned in the podcast? Uh, okay. <laughs> all right. Firstly, don't give up, yeah, because it yeah. will turn. Right now, is it uncertain? Is this different to previous crises? Yeah, absolutely. Um, but it's going to turn, and recruitment is one of those industries that's always the first impacted, but always one of the first to recover. 
So it's really important to keep in mind, and this is the fundamental principle, that the market will come back. And where are you going to be when it comes back? And you know what? A lot of people are going to opt out. You're going to see some people that have had a great run in recruitment that are going to find this really tough and they're going to decide to maybe opt out and go in-house um, and, and do a role that. So the inevitably, the longer this goes on, the more the market will begin to thin out. And that creates yeah. opportunity for people coming into the market and building their own brands during this time as well. So, you know, don't lose sight that there's, there's a bigger opportunity at the end of this road. It's about having the, dare I say, grit to, to kind of see yourself through yeah. <laughs> this process over time, right? Um, yeah. I think it's, you know, it's, it's then just being clear around, again, what your objectives, and it, it ties back to what you said. You know, talent will become become contacts they will become clients down the line and how are they going to feel about you so having that interaction with talent um, mm. that you want to work with in the future um, and mm. helping them now even if they don't have a job is hugely important um, yeah. because that's what's going to help you down the line whether you yeah. face them in fact it's interesting even in good markets or bad markets a lot of people can't remember a year later who actually placed them in the last job they're speaking to various yeah. agencies and they haven't actually maintained the relationship. But they so do right remember now, the ones that cared though and the one because they're at their most vulnerable and they do remember yeah. the time that people take. Correct. Yeah. 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 So, you know, work with your talent and, and keep close to your, your kind of clients. But I think the other thing is just make sure you become an expert, right? If you're focused yeah. on cloud engineering, right now you have a real opportunity because you don't have, we might have a, in that area, you might have a few more jobs, but, you know, no one's, unlikely running with 20 jobs at any given time right now. Okay. So your capacity to actually strategize and focus on, um, your market and developing your brand within that market and becoming a true expert right now is huge. Mm. So use your time wisely in terms of doing that when you're not working those jobs. And I think every company and it ties back to your early point, every, if you haven't done it yet as in, in your company, you should be, um, every manager should be sat with their teams. They should have had, you know, an all hands on deck, whether it's a, a full day, a half day meeting, rationalizing exactly what their strategy is, where are the growth opportunities? And actually let's not keep doing the same thing we've been doing as we did three months ago. Yeah. What, you know, what, what are the opportunities coming out of this down the line? But I also think from a man, I think from a staff perspective, I think consultants need to know, don't they? They need to be able to look up to that leader and say, okay, he's, he or she is changing things up. Right. Okay. We're, we're adapting, you know, how, how can, you know, how can we look at this situation differently and being able to use all those diverse thinking on how you're going to get around that. It's not, it's not going to look exactly the same. Things are going to have to exactly. change. Yeah. Right, let's yeah. let's um let's let's focus on the future because obviously in a few months time we'll be sit, sitting down again and seeing how the business mm -hmm. has grown. What do you see the next six months looking like for the business? Um, <laughs> listen, I think it's going to be it's going to be tough and rewarding. I kind of say that in in two terms because I think it's going to be hard work, right? So I'm That's not. What my husband says about our, says about our marriage. <laughs> <laughs> Well, at least he says rewarding as well then. He doesn't just say tough. <laughs> I'll make that up. He doesn't actually say the rewarding bit. No. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Paul, uh, carry on. No, I think, I think it is, you know, it's, it's going to be hard work. So, and that's no different to, to anyone else. But, you know, we're, we're out there kind of trying to build a brand, um, trying to mm -hmm. educate a market, trying to do things a little bit differently. Um, and people are habitual. So, but I think that represents an opportunity. Um, so I think it's going to be really hard work. Um, I think we'll get to eight people, which I told you. <laughs> so yep, I'll yep, try and hold to that. Yep, um, yep. But I think, you know, 
fundamentally what I want to see is the clients we're engaging with are happy. You know, they're happy and they want to engage with us and they're in a position where um, they're enjoying our interactions and they feel we're bringing value. And the same from the talent side. And we're generating referrals and we're getting referrals from both of those pools because we're doing a good job and we're doing the basics right, but we're also bringing greater value to that. We'll have launched, um, you know, one or two tech solutions. Um, so we, we've already got projects underway. Um, so we'll be in a position where, um, you know, we'll have put that into the market. We'll have clients using that. Um, and I think that will be interesting um, in terms of from our own learning and where we can bring value at a, a more scalable rate. Um, so, but that's something we, we've got within the roadmap that I expect us to be doing over that period of time. Is that um, something you can talk about or is that, is that something that's quite confidential? I can definitely give a bit more detail when, yeah, when we next Part chat two. around it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Cool. Um, so, you know, so those, you know, those, those, those are in, in, in process right now. Um, and I think that's going to be a learning curve for us. I mean, we, I've not had, I've not managed a tech business before. So we're fortunate in that we've actually got a couple mm. of technical advisors who are quite senior on the product side and on the data, AI, machine learning side. One guy sits here, one guy sits in Seattle. So they're really helping us in terms of helping me in terms of thought process around that. But, you know, when we're bringing people in-house, that's going to be an interesting dynamic where yeah. we are a tech plus recruitment business. Um, but I think fundamentally, you know, if we've got those eight people, Sorry, okay, we'll have those eight people um, and those eight people, you know, will be passionate about what we're doing, right? And, um, yeah. you know, I want to have a, an environment where people are enthused, they're, you know, they're, they're, they, they can see the opportunity, they're energized, they're coming in, they feel they're making an impact. And I think if we've done that, and if you can get that within a culture, then you're halfway there. The rest is then the execution to make it happen. So the core focus is making sure, so the next six months we'll have a, uh, really culturally sound um, business that's moving in the right direction where people know where they're going, where they're clear on the direction. I think fundamentally they're also learning and they're growing, um, which is going to give them skills. So in the long term, they know they're going to benefit from that. Um, and we'll have a good pool of clients and talent that are working with us and recommending us to others. And we'll have launched a technology solution. God, it's going to be, it's going to be a pretty busy six months then isn't it yes yes it is <laughs> great good luck for the next six months and i'll catch up with you in november thanks so much for your time today All right. thanks a lot Andrea. thanks bye likewise thank you cheers bye you have been listening to talent talk asia podcast by the career establishment to learn more about the career establishment our people and our latest thinking visit us at www.thecareerestablishment.com or find us on linkedin twitter and facebook